the squadron. They called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, how sad. How sad. Once again, another a high-tech lynching. A high-tech. By the way, isn't this the first... Uh, the longest week of the year ever. It just seems so long. Every time I ask somebody, you know, isn't today going fast or isn't today going slow? Everybody's on the same wavelength. Uh, this week seems like it's just been a very long week. And it's an even longer one, of course, for Donald Trump, although something tells me he does kind of like this stuff and uh, it takes a very unique person to undergo what he's undergone did you see my interview last night with donald trump jr yeah he was do you know he signed one of the checks one of the checks involved with the um those those payments it's just such a phony case he's a great guy donald trump jr uh but i'm feeling bad right now for justice clarence thomas remember the high-tech lynching that they tried to pull on him back in 1991 how dare you think independently how dare you a black man be a conservative how dare you try any of that stuff and uh what do they do (laughs) they they literally found out that he rented a porno movie i think that was the allegation that was the allegation and he made some allegedly crude joke around anita hill that's it that is it you think back because, oh, my gosh, it was such a big deal, remember? It's always a big deal when it's a conservative. Justice Kavanaugh, Justice Thomas. Remember those silly hearings with Anita Hill? And what was her big What was her big revelation? That at some uh, conference table, somebody made a joke about a porno movie and pubic hair. All right? Possibly gross, but whatever. She never said she was touched. She never said she was... You know, unwanted advances from Clarence Thomas, nothing like that. And it was just her word and damn near destroyed this man, but he went on to have a fantastic career. He's one of the superstars of the Supreme Court. Thank God he's there. Um, but now they want to take him out. Uh, an absurdly long piece in something called ProPublica. Speaking of pubic hair, ProPublica, ProPublica, what the hell is this? It's some I don't know. I never I never I don't think I've ever heard of it. ProPublica. It's a website. And they go on and on and on and on and on about uh get this. Are you ready? Are you ready? Justice Thomas has a wealthy friend who has invited him to his lake house home up in the Adirondacks. This is the scandal. This is the scandal. Um I would do anything in my power to avoid going to the Adirondacks. I <laughs> just, uh, he went there on vacation. Let's see. The rich guy's name is Crow. So what? You're allowed to have a, you're allowed to have a rich friend. It goes on and on and on about this silly lake house, not silly, whatever, that Clarence Thomas goes to. Um, you know how much you make on the Supreme Court? You make about $285,000. That's it. Now, maybe that's, um, quite frankly, more than twice what normal Americans make. Three times what normal Americans make. Um, but it's a lot less than a law partner makes at a major law firm. That's the point. These guys could be making tens of millions of dollars in the private sector. And... 
they do it for basically comparatively speaking peanuts peanuts and there aren't many perks in the job uh you know you, you, do you know the sanitation commissioner gets a car and driver here in new york city who is the sanitation commissioner get back to me on that uh, but whoever it is they have a car and driver and a bodyguard it's a little much if you ask me but whatever it comes with the job a supreme court justice does not get that an associate Supreme Court justice. There's only one chief justice. I believe they get federal marshal protection, but the justices, the other ones, don't. They drive home in their own car, and they drive to work. Now, well, that's it should be that way. You know what? I don't know if it should. Number one, um, imagine if a, a justice was killed. If, imagine if Justice Kavanaugh was killed, as I believe many on the left wanted to happen. Uh, what would have happened? There would have been a vacancy. Who would have filled the vacancy? Joe Biden. It's not like, oh, that's a conservative. It gets replaced by another conservative. No, 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 no. That's an open seat. They want something to happen to these people. I'm sorry. I think in their heart of hearts, they do. And in the meantime, they're trying to take him out over this. uh, Let me see here. I mean, dinner at a friend's house. Dinner at a friend's house. Um, Let's see. Thomas has even used, oh, a plane. A private plane. Uh Uh-oh, he was on a private plane. The plane flew from Dallas, Texas, to Dulles Airport, to New Haven, Connecticut. Okay. Do you know half, actually three-quarters of the United States Senate, they fly around on private planes all the time. Elizabeth Warren, Elizabeth Socialist Warren, has been observed on a private plane. Um. There's a the poor guy. He can't even go fishing. He goes fishing with his buddies, and they're trying to make a federal case out of it. Um. Ooh. Wait a second. Wait a second. Is this something else? Crow met Thomas three decades ago. He began lavishing the justice with gifts. He began lavishing the justice with gifts, including. You ready for this gift? You ready? It's a lavish gift. Is it an Hermes bag? Is it a Patek Philippe watch? Is it uh no. <laughs> it's a Bible. He lavished the gift of a Bible. That's what it says. Soon after Crow met Thomas three decades ago, he began lavishing the justice with gifts, including a Bible. Now, I will say this. The Bible was worth $19,000 because it belonged to Frederick Douglass, which Thomas disclosed right here in the damn story. He disclosed. He put it on the paperwork. Recently, Crow gave Thomas a portrait of the justice and his wife. Crow's foundation also gave $105,000 to Yale Law School, Thomas's alma mater, for the Justice Thomas Portrait Fund tax filing show. You can't do this stuff in America? <laughs> Just, uh, the left is going wild with this story. They think they got Justice Thomas. They think he's going to have to resign. Wrong. Uh, Crow said that he and his wife have funded a number of projects that celebrate Thomas. We believe it is important to make sure as many people as possible learn about him, remember him, and understand the ideals for which he stands. Does that sound corrupt? (laughs) That's the opposite of corruption. That's, uh, oh, boy. Again, John Kerry is fighting global warming on private jets, and they're hassling this guy, hassling him. Where's the part where he goes up to the Adirondacks? He goes fishing. There's a beautiful picture of the guy fishing. And after they went fishing, you know what they did? They sat around a campfire 
and smoke cigars. But some of the people there were billionaires. So what? So what? Billionaires are people, too. Quite frankly, I'm privileged to no one. John Katsimatidis. He owns this station. An amazing success story. He recently wrote a book about it, how you can be, you can be a billionaire too. I'm going to tackle it this weekend. I heard John Jr. talking about it on the air and it's basically, you can make a billion dollars too. Read this book. Well, uh, I got to get busy. Now, is that, is that an inappropriate relation? I, man, they're criminalizing everything or skin. They're trying to politicize, then scandalize, then criminalize. Okay, here we go. Crow's Private Lakeside Resort, Camp Topridge, sits in a remote corner of the Adirondacks in upstate New York. Yeah, who would want to go there? I've been up there once. I know it's fine. I know it, the lakes are beautiful, but it's too far. I went up there once. I, I don't want to go back. It was a two, it was 10 hours on the damn road. I went up to Lake Placid. But here we go. Ooh, get this. It's closed off from the public by ornate wooden gates. The 105-acre property, once the summer retreat of the same heiress who built Mar-a-Lago, hmm, features an artificial waterfall and great hall where Crow's guests are served meals prepared by private chefs. Uh, how about that? I mean, every meal you ever had was prepared by a private chef if you go out to a restaurant, right? That's a private chef. That's not a government chef. That's a private chef. It's a private chef. Inside, there's clear evidence of Crow and Thomas's relationship. A painting of the two men at the resort, sitting outdoors, smoking cigars alongside conservative political operatives. Ooh, those, see, see how darkly they presented that? Conservative political operatives. A statue of a Native American man, arms outstretched, stands at the center of the image, which is photographic in its clarity. What's the problem? <laughs> Keeps on going with this painting. The painting captures a scene from around five years ago. The artist who commissioned uh, by Crow to paint it, somebody named Sharif Tarabay. And let me guess, Sharif has had a change of heart and is suddenly uh, pro, pro-choice or something. Is this is somebody got to him and said, you can't be hanging out with these conservatives? Thomas has been vacationing at Top Ridge virtually every summer for more than two decades. Aren't you allowed? Don't people have that all the time? Don't people have, like, summer rituals? Virtually every summer. That means probably half of them he didn't go. According to interviews with some, uh, with more than a dozen visitors and former resort staff. keep keeps calling it a resort. Is it a hotel or is it his house? Uh, he has fished with a guide hired by Crow and danced at concerts put on by musicians Crow brought in. Thomas has slept at perhaps the resort's most elegant accommodation, an opulent lodge overhanging Upper St. Regis Lake. Now, how opulent can it be if it's on some lake in upstate New York, right? I mean, how opulent can you get up there? I've been up there. It's not, it's not, all right. Ooh, actually, I'm looking at that. That is pretty nice. The mountainous area draws billionaires from across the globe, rooms at a nearby hotel. I'll just give the guy a break for crying out loud again. Again, so we'll see where this goes. They will try to impeach him. They will try to remove him from office. Um, and you have my complete support. I'm so happy that I have the freedom, quite frankly, to say things the way I see them, call things the way I see them, and, and support people I admire. 
And a lot of people won't do that these days. I understand they're afraid, but I'm in a unique position where, uh, so I put it up on Twitter. You ready for this? It's a good one. I say it's another high-tech lynching of Justice Clarence Thomas. They're busting his chops because he went fishing with his friend at some lake. Who cares? Hunter Biden can get a billion dollars from China, but the judge can't go fishing in the woods? Fake news. I support Justice Thomas. Now, of course, the liberals go nuts when they read this. That's not what the story said. You're missing all the nuance. Uh, It's reductive, I admit, but that's the essence of it. That's the raw essence of it. And Greg Kelly in New York, I don't know if Justice Thomas knows or cares, but I am on your side. And you'd be surprised what a small world it is. You'd be surprised when you're in trouble how few people actually reach out. And those who do, you cherish forever. And sometimes somebody does, and you know they're just being nosy, all right? So just because they call, it doesn't mean their heart's in the right place. But you'd be surprised. Oh, I don't want to. So, Justice Thomas, that's the way I feel. You know, I once met Justice Scalia, great guy, and he was the one who told me about that. (laughs) These guys drive themselves. They make peanuts compared to what they could or should be making. Meanwhile, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, even before they became president and vice president, what were they doing? Flying around on private jets, Paid for by rich people. Stay the hell out of it. Leave the guy alone. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, Chicago once again outdid itself, uh, electing another nut job to be mayor. What was her name again? Lightfoot, right? She's gone. And for a moment, for a brief shining moment, it looked like they were going to elect a sane person who believed that uh, police were the good guys. But no, in the runoff, the the maniac won, the defund the police guy won. And, um, you know, you're going to get more of the same in Chicago, more of um, uh, 60, 70 shootings a weekend, that kind of stuff. Too bad. Too bad. There was a, there was an opportunity, but it didn't happen. Um, hey, again. When are we going to get the manifesto from the shooter in Nashville, Tennessee? Happened last Monday. Happened last Monday, a week ago Monday. Never hear about this thing anymore. They have successfully changed the subject in Nashville and beyond. Not talking about transgender. Not talking about what the police said was the leading motive. They thought this was a major factor in the shooter's uh, rampage. Her identity, her gender identity crisis. They're not going to talk about that going to talk just about guns and this is what's going on in nashville right now they're all freaking out because uh three bozo lawmakers made such spectacles out of themselves last week that they were tossed out of the state assembly they were like uh unfurling banners on the floor they were they were acting like the horns guy, quite frankly. All right. They were doing all this stuff and they were breaking the rules. So they ejected them from the house. Now they're coming home for a hero's welcome. And it's all about they want to make it all about guns and they want more gun laws and this, that and the other thing. And they have fooled the kids into thinking that's the problem. They have fooled the children. You see that. Was it a national walkout? Was it truly a national walkout? I saw on the news they called it a national walkout. Children across the country left school yesterday. That really is going to help. Right. I remember. Did we ever walk out? I mean, I felt like a, I felt like a criminal if I cut a class. You know, I, I, we never did it en masse. I, I did it by myself, and I, I, yeah, I just felt like <laughs> it was it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. I, but the entire 
entire schools walked out with the teacher's permission and encouragement. Hey, Fox News, thanks for nothing, Fox News. You guys suck, all right? I know you got your good people there, all right? But when Donald Trump is in the position that he's in, you guys just care about status and money and uh, your relationship with billionaires. You never cut the guy any slack, do you? I was watching Fox and Friends, and their um, their humdrum reporter in front of the White House, I don't know who his name is, but I don't know what his name is, but they, he's on the Fox and Friends show. I want to play you something that he said, and it really bothered me. Cut 20. They talk about one instance in which a, a third party paid $30,000 to a former Trump Tower doorman who claimed to have a story that Trump had had a kid out of wedlock. Wow, that's a real juicy, salacious detail. What the reporter did not tell you, that in the damned indictment, according to prosecutors themselves, that wasn't true. That Donald Trump did not father a child out of wedlock. And why wouldn't he go through the trouble to point that out to uh, the viewer? Because they're lazy, because they don't know any better, and they hate Trump. Oh, boy, do they hate Trump. And they want him gone for a million reasons. They're very good at fooling the audience, very, very good at fooling the audience, but um, we're pretty smart, and people can see through them as well. Um, hey, whatever happened to that? What's his name? Desant, 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 Desantis had some job in Florida, right? Whatever happened to that guy? <laughs> you won't see him no more. Uh, I don't think he's going to declare now. Uh, the nomination is Trump's. Uh, no, I mean. Just sorry. And uh, and that goes for you, too, Asa Hutchinson and the rest. Get on the Trump train. I'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I felt intimidated and honestly bullied, and I didn't know what to do, and so I signed it. Even though I had repeatedly expressed that I wouldn't break the agreement, but I was not comfortable lying. How do we know you're telling the truth? Because uh, I have no reason to lie. Stormy Daniels, porn star, uh, out there lying again. And uh, big assist from Fox News. They're going to put her on <laughs> all afternoon. Stormy Daniels. You think Trump and Melania want to be hearing about Stormy Daniels uh, prime time with uh, Piers Morgan, you know? I mean, didn't we kind of, she said everything she had to say. I mean, she even, she said everything. She said everything. But now we're going to hear it all over again. Um, is Pierre's going to get around to the, I'm sure he will, the half million dollars that she owes Donald Trump. You know, it came out just uh, during the proceeding on Tuesday that some judge said she owed yet another $5,000. Now it's a total of five to $600,000 that Stormy Daniels owes Trump and his lawyers for the phony defamation suit that she she filed. How about that? Huh? I didn't know what to do. I just I was just uh, yeah, right. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. Really naive there. Yeah. Mhm. Uh I don't believe you. Um 
Hey, something else. People are dying because of the media. They are. They are dying because the media, especially on two major trends in America, this transgender crap, excuse me, by crap, I mean encouraging children to undergo the therapy, undergo the transition. Yeah, that's crap. Uh, that's worse than that. It's it's evil. Uh, and their kind of just glorification of that entire movement, that's a real problem. Uh, some people are signing up for it, not knowing any better, because the media are celebrating it like crazy. And then they realize they get all this stuff done, changed on the outside, but the real problem was on the inside all along. I went to all this trouble to change my gender, and I still feel miserable. I, You know what? Most people who undergo the transition will not get endorsement deals by that freak Dylan Mulvaney. Right? Is that the name? Dylan? Dylan Mulvaney? Working with everybody from Budweiser, apparently, to uh, the, is it the Plaza Hotel? Did the Plaza Hotel really give her a gig? Most people are not going to get those uh, kinds of arrangements, but they'll undergo it. And then they'll wonder, uh, what the hell? Uh, huh, I got this permanent surgery, and uh, I'm still the same old me. Yeah, you could remove a penis or you could add a fake vagina, uh, but you're still going to be you. And no one, no one wants to talk about that. No one wants to. You just have to celebrate transgender. You have to raise a transgender flag, even on a conservative campus in Maryland. Somebody sent me this, some evangelical college, I think, and they, they're raising the transgender flag. And there it is flying right next to the American flag. And they're all. They had a, you know, they had flag day, transgender flag day. It was transgender awareness day. It feels like every day is transgender awareness day, quite frankly, around this country these days. Um, so they're trying to focus on guns and take everybody's mind off of the shooter in Nashville, who the police said was, uh, had emotional disorders, was being treated for those disorders, was in fact transgender, trying to become a man when uh, she was a biological woman. Uh, and they said out loud that that may have been a factor here in the shooting. And then they got a very stern talking to <laughs> uh, from I don't know who exactly did it, but suddenly never hear about that anymore. Uh, no, not an issue, not an issue. In the manifesto, will we ever see it? Because obviously she wrote about this stuff in her manifesto. I will guarantee it. But the manifesto is... Somehow unavailable. And what is the other thing? How, so people are dying. They're signing up for this crap. It's been glorified by the media. And then they realize, you know, they talk about transgender suicide. Why don't we have a full, open, and clear conversation about the dangerous, the dangerousness of these procedures, of these hormone blockers, of this artificial testosterone? I've got something in store tonight that actually I think is going to be great. Still working on it, but uh, Newsmax at 10 o'clock. I'll be there. The other thing that was glorified, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, okay? Every day, right? And corporations from the NFL to Exxon, they, they put that silly logo right up there next to theirs, not knowing what the hell they were signing up for, and not really caring either. Not really giving a damn. They just didn't want the mob to pick on them. You see, see, we're, we're, we're woke, we're cool, okay? You gotta get, pay us a little bit of money too. Uh, absolutely, here's your money. And that's it. So this thing has kind of become part of our culture, right? That America is a systemically racist place, that white supremacy is a real thing, that white privilege is a real thing, and that cops are inherently abusive. So when people get pulled over now, 
maybe 20 years ago, the, the automatic reflex that law-abiding people had was to be obedient, respectful, even deferential. These police officers in a civil society, they do have the authority. They have more authority. We still have our rights, but they are supposed to have authority. We give them that. And now it's been taken away. It has been taken away to the great risk, oh, by the way, of the community, the Black Lives Matter movement says that they care most about young black men. Young black men have been endangered by this. Because there's somehow now this notion that the police have no business stopping you if you're driving while black. Right. You know, that cool slang like I was just shopping while black. I was just driving while black. I was just studying while black. Ooh, how edgy and interesting that is. Hmm? Uh, It's just another gimmick. It's just something that people say on the talk shows, especially the elites of white, black, Asian, whatever. And it seeps down into the streets. And then you're a young man driving in Michigan and you get pulled over. And your first impulse is to get out of the car and argue with the police officer. Why are you stopping me? You have no business to stop me. Actually, he has every right in the world. <laughs> you can look it up. There's a, there are laws that we grant and that the, the, there are, they have this power. So they're mouthing off to cops. And then some of the times they actually take it a little bit too far. They grab the gun. They run away. Uh, they run over a cop. And then they find themselves dead. And uh, it's the it's the society's fault, right? The, it's the white supremacists. It's all that. Not, it's no, it's not. The Black Lives Matter movement put these sick, false lies in their heads. And now it's being actualized. We see it. And even the, those activities are now like glorified, like running away from the cops or disrespecting cops or even lunging for the cop's gun. Well, he had to because he was afraid. The United States Army, actually, the United States Army officially sanctioned, they they gave an award to a freak soldier who decided to mouth off to the cops and not obey their lawful commands. I mean, this kid should have been court-martialed after he was arrested. You know what? They gave him a medal. I call him Bad Lieutenant Nazario. An old man, Grins- Griswold, what the hell was his name? Griswold, Griswold, one of the top guys in the Army, gave him the award. Uh, Brian, uh, you're upstate somewhere? Yeah, hi, Greg. Uh, thank you for your service in the Marine Corps, sir. And nope. uh, I'd also also like to, you know, let uh, Justice Thomas know that we're like in flyover country here. We're like, I'm about 15 miles from Camp Topridge, and I grew up there. And everybody in this area would welcome him. I'm telling you, it's an honor to have him here. Did you know that he came up there? No, I didn't. I, but I listen to your show every day. I, I've learned a lot from you, I'll tell you. <laughs> oh, well, thanks, Brian. Uh, yeah, he yeah. goes up there to that uh, uh, that lake, and it's uh, it's a very nice setup. Oh, by the way, I've been talking to some people who know uh, the Supreme Court really well. And all of these justices have these kinds of setups with, you know, People who like them and people who have resources and assets. Because if you're Justice Thomas, I mean, let's face it, you can't go to Disney World with your family, right? You just can't. You got to go somewhere a little bit special, a little bit exclusive, a little bit secluded. 
Don't you think, Brian? I mean, he's a controversial guy. He can't just go to a Met game and sit in the, you know, <laughs> sit in the bleachers. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. Absolutely. I've met a lot of uh, known people, you know, out at Camp Topridge. I worked there years ago. I worked there during the Olympics in 1980. I shuffled Governor uh, Kerry around. I've met George Bush. I've met uh, Tom Brokaw at the airport, uh, Joan Rivers. The people out there, the wealthy people, and I used to think they were stuck up and everything. They're the nicest people in the world. Plus, they employ all sorts of people out there. Rockefellers just down the road a bit. They got a big 45,000 acres. They, they employ people. The people in this area welcome them. Yeah. Hey, uh, jo- it's a hard thing to get your mind around. Joan Rivers in upstate New York right? just doesn't kind of go together. But what was she like? Oh, funny. Yeah. Here in real life. And, uh, you know, the, the the people I've met, you know, like Jamie Farr and people like that, you know, they're funnier than real life. And they're just they're more down to earth than you and I are. Jamie <laughs> Farr. <laughs> Jamie Klinger from MASH. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Wow. Brian, what a life. Uh, well, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, that whole story is in pro dot com. It's it's all over the place if you want to check it out. But, yeah, he goes up there just about every year, as is his right. And um, by the way, thank you, Brian. I knew. um not well, but pretty well, actually. Uh, Joan Rivers and her daughter, Melissa. Don't keep in touch with Melissa quite as much anymore. Uh, but Joan, wow, what a piece of work. And uh, uh, an amazing woman in, in so many ways. And by the way, there's a fantastic documentary about her called A Piece of Work that still is, uh, is magnificent, a magnificent film. And one of the most powerful moments is when she's heckled by somebody on stage. I think she made a joke about, was it gun violence or something like that? Or I don't know what it was. And this guy said, no, that, that happened. And she said, shut up. Shut up. You don't know. And she yelled at him. And she was angry. I mean, genuinely angry. Not just shouting down there, making fun of a heckler. She's like, this is how we deal with it. There's tragedy in life. There's pain. And this is how we cope. And it was like, wow, she's right. There's a, and she was, and then afterwards, she was like so disturbed, but felt so, kind of righteous about what she did. And it's true. We make fun of things sometimes to cope and to deal with it and put it in perspective. And and it's, I think, a survival mechanism. And it's kind of cool. Uh, hi, Sandra. Hey, wait a second, Sandra. Hold on a second. The news is flipping out right now. I am watching live in Paris. And there are riots in the streets. And they're going after the cops. And the cops, there's a lot of pushing and shoving and tear gas and... Now, I hear that Emmanuel Macron is getting a little bit carried away, and he thinks he's King Macron. Now, he's a prime minister who, oh, by the way, well, I'll get to his wife and how he met her later. That's not important right now. But Macron, through fiat, through decree, has just said the mandatory retirement age uh, in France will be 64. Well, you can't just come out and establish that. You got to do it through the national legislature and all these things that apparently he skipped. But how about that? The national retirement age, 64. I, I mean, I, uh, that's not fa- as far away as I would like. I think I'm going to be working until the age of 87. I mean, I had, I, I just like 64 seems pretty damned early to me, doesn't it? I mean, I know we have a lot of listeners who can retire, especially, with the pensions and stuff like that, uh, but would you go, go out there and throw rocks 
if they said the mandatory retirement age went from, I think, 63 to 64. Is that worth throwing rocks at cops? I don't think so. All right, Sandra. Hello. How you doing, Greg? Great. How you? I'm glad to hear that. Um, you know, I wanted to say that um, I worked for Robert F. Kennedy Jr. in um, the environmental department in Fort Lee years ago, and he's now running for president. So he's an environmentalist lawyer, and he also um, wrote a book about Fauci, the real Anthony Fauci. Hey. He, he's really – Thanks for reminding me. Thanks for reminding me. Listen to this. Cut one, please. Cut one. This is RFK Jr. Uh, go. I, I'm thinking about it. Um, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I, you know, I'm past the biggest hurdle, which is that my wife has green-lighted it. <laughs> and, mm, I don't think this campaign's going anywhere. I, I, li- I like him on some of the issues, but did you hear that? There's something going on there with his health. Yeah. Uh, I mean, let, let's listen. Let's let's listen. To, let's listen to a little bit more. He didn't quite frankly say he's running. He said he's thinking about it. Let me hear this. Cut two, please. Cut two. They know this is going to kill and injure a huge number of children, but they need to do it for the liability protection. And here's how they know that it's going to injure kids. They, during the Pfizer study. They only tested it on 1,300 children. And one of those we now know was a girl called Maddie Gary. And we only know about this because she and her family came forward and told them what, told us what happened. Maddie Gary got the vaccine. She immediately went into seizures. She is now in a wheelchair for life and she needs a feeding tube to eat. So, Pfizer, you know, because Pfizer only tested on 1,300 kids, it is stuck with the with the extrapolation. And one out of every 1,300 kids is going to be injured like that, an injury worse than death. Well, you know what? I think he's a hero. I like him a lot, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, he's smart. Um, he's bold. You know, he's lost a lot of friends because he's speaking out against big pharma and, uh, you know, he's standing up for what he believes is right. And a lot of the elites, uh, don't want to hear any of this stuff. Uh, so I like him. He could be, uh, you know, just sitting back. I'm a Kennedy, right? I'm a Kennedy. And, uh, but he doesn't. He gets involved. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Now I am concerned and I've met him once or twice. He does seem to have some health issues. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think this is a symbolic run if he runs. Do you think – is he really running, Sandra, for real? Do we know that? Yes. I, I heard that he absolutely announced his candidacy to run. I actually and, did, and too. I, I don't know what – you know, typical. This is from – okay, that sound was from March 3rd. All right? So uh, he's – there's been more news since then. Um, so, yeah, he's running for president. Well, good for him. Um, you know, look, sometimes you got to make a stand. Uh, but he does sound kind of off, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. But it doesn't matter. I mean, let's focus on the substance. And uh, it's going to complicate Joe Biden's life, and I love that. And he's going to be part of the national conversation, and I dig what he's saying. I'm picking up what he's putting down. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. 
Wow, they really are shameless. The Biden administration just put out a massive, uh, no, a significant document about the Afghanistan withdrawal. You know, the one they totally screwed up, the one where 13 of our guys were killed unnecessarily, right? The one where Joe Biden was so oblivious that he checked his watch at the funeral. Remember that? Uh, the one where Joe blamed everybody else except uh, himself, did not accept any responsibility. Well, now they're blaming more people, uh, including our guy, President Trump. In a 12-page document, It's the, t- the topic is U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. This document outlines the key decisions and challenges surrounding the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. And who do you think the star of this document is? President Trump. Okay, President Trump. It's all President Trump's fault. Uh, let's see. You got to remember this. Trump engineered a peace agreement with the Taliban that kept our troops safe. That kept our troops safe. No, not one soldier was killed for like two years. They weren't even taking shots at our guys. Now, one of the things that they say about that is, well, after Trump left office, uh, the Taliban, you know, since they didn't shoot for two years, they had so many bullets that they could use them on U.S. troops once Biden became president. Like they should have been shooting troops all along. And then they were just ready to unload on on, on, on troops when Biden. That's actually one of the excuses they have. Let's see here. President Trump ordered direct talks with the Taliban without consulting our allies and partners. Um, I'm sorry. Weren't we attacked on September 11th? What the hell? Why the hell do we have to talk with France about that? I, I'm sorry. I mean, why do we have to talk with... Uh, Finland about that. I don't think so. How many troops did they have in Afghanistan? Oh, by the way, we've always we've been shouldering this burden ourselves. Did not speak. Oh, did not collaborate. Um, the United. Uh, let's see here. The United States in February of 2020. Who was president, by the way? Donald Trump. The United States and the Taliban reached a deal known as the Doha Agreement, under which the United States agreed to withdraw U.S. forces from Afghanistan by May 2021. In return, the Taliban agreed to participate in a peace process and refrain from attacking U.S. troops, uh, which they actually were doing. Things were great as part of the deal. President Trump, President Trump, President Trump, President Trump, President Trump. (laughs) It's uh, the story of Joe Biden's life. President Trump? (laughs) President Trump did it. President Trump's responsible. Where is this Biden character anyway? By the way, we don't see him anymore. Nobody talks about him. Nobody sees him. He's uh, he's about as irrelevant as Ron DeSantis. Uh, sorry about that, Ron. Uh, better luck next time. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Wow, this thing really is... Uh, a disgrace, this new document about how it was Donald Trump's fault. Everything that happened in Afghanistan was Donald Trump's fault. Um, so self-serving this document is. Ultimately, President Biden refused to send another generation of Americans to fight in a war that should have ended for the United States long ago. Blah, 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 blah. Um, passing the buck. Oh, we consulted allies. That's a big theme here. We consulted allies while President Trump did not. Um I really don't think it was, quite frankly, their business uh, for the most part. I mean, all told, they sent like a 100 guys to Afghanistan over the years, some of these countries. You know, I mean, Canada, U.K., uh, a bit more, but for the most part, it was us. It was America. But after that calamity, Secretary of State Blinken, you know that guy who always talks like this? We consulted our allies, 
And I've heard, this is what he said, on September 13th, 2021, after those guys were killed, I've heard a lot of gratitude from allies and partners about the work that our folks did in making sure that we could deliver on that commitment to consult with them. <laughs> um, who the hell? I mean, that, that there's gratitude in Europe that we talk to them on the phone. What, what are you, you so unbelievably out of touch, out of touch. Um, all right. So the uh, Alvin Bragg case disintegrating, it's not going anywhere. It's, I mean, it's, it's not going to uh, hurt Trump. It will ultimately have to be dismissed. Even this Trump hating judge, which he is. Oh, by the way, keep hearing about the judge has received threats. The judge's family has received threats. Um, does he know what it's like the day in the life of Donald Trump? Does he know what that's like? Tonight I'm going to show you like how this family, the Trump family, it's 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 normal. Normal occurrence. Weird white powder being sent to Eric Trump, Donald Trump being rushed on the stage. Do you remember that? Probably not because it was like 15-minute story because it was Trump and he was actually pretty cool under fire when it happened. But a couple of maniacs jumped up on stage once and rushed at him. And, you know, this is a guy. You think who gets more death threats, huh? Donald Trump or Judge? I don't even know the judge's name, for crying out loud. Do you? I mean, give me and, – and when these things, they try to make them bigger than they actually are. And the next thing they're going to try, I think, is to get Trump on saying, well, his statements have incited violence. His statements, even the judge – whose name, I think it's Mershon, judge says, I don't want any more statements from you that incite violence, which I would have objected if I were the attorney, if I were the defense attorney. I would say, I object, Your Honor. You're implying that his statements already incited violence. Who the hell are you to say that? I guess you can't say who the hell are you to say that, but I would say if it would please the court, uh, the defense suggests that the president's comments have not incited violence. In fact, it's constitutionally protected free speech. And he's allowed, absolutely, constitutionally, to engage in hyperbolic rhetoric. You know, they're trying to control our speech. I was actually called out on national television, on CNN, because I used the word fight. We talked about this yesterday. I said, we got to fight for Trump. And they put that on TV. You're Greg Kelly, an insurrectionist, wants everybody to fight, wants everybody to break. No. And they left out the next sentence. I said, I want everybody listening to write letters to members of the House and members of the Senate to say this, this, and the other thing. Writing letters. That's now, right? So they want to inhibit us. They want to make us, they want, they want me to censor myself. And that's one, every now and then I feel that kicking in. And I feel like I gotta like turn it up to 11 somehow. You wanna hear somebody inciting violence? You want, this is incitement of violence. And it's from New York State's own slimy Chuck Schumer. Yeah, him. Democrat U.S. Senator who's got it locked up. Everything's rigged. New York State. It works for him. Cut 17. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you. You won't know what hit you. What the hell is he talking about? Arrest that man. You could look at a thousand statements, a million statements from Donald Trump. Nothing like that. Nothing like that. Schumer. Hmm. Hey, another thing in the indictment that I was reminded of. Uh, why does everybody kind of ignore the fact that Michael Cohen, a lawyer for Donald Trump, 
recorded his own client and violated attorney-client privilege. Did Donald Trump ever waive those rights? I don't think so. Listen to this. Cut 16. Cut 16. And I've spoken to Alan Weisselberg about how to set the whole thing up uh, with so what are we gonna funding. That, uh, yes. Yeah. That was his own iPhone running. Michael Cohen recorded Donald Trump. That's illegal. Right then and right there. The indictment also said that uh, Michael Cohen pleaded guilty to campaign finance uh, crimes and went to jail. That's kind of a lie, actually. That's a lie. And I wonder if they can get in trouble for that because he went to jail for tax evasion. And I went through it last night. Four million dollars in income from selling taxicab medallions and, uh, you know, fooling banks and you know, buying apartments that he couldn't afford and uh, one loan against the other. Somehow he gets four million dollars. He owed one point four million in taxes on it. He didn't pay it. And it has nothing to do with the Trump organization. This is all Michael Cohen and his uh I don't know, his father-in-law, somebody like that, some the, this weirdo family stuff that he was doing. His family. He even sold a Birkin bag, a piece of luggage for thirty grand. They caught him on that. He didn't declare that as income, and that's one of the things he got in trouble over. Uh, but he can tape his own client. All right, so as that case falls apart, and I'm already hearing this from people all over the place, that, uh, well, the next case is the tough one. The next case is really going to get Trump. And then, uh, then I'm like, what case is that? E. Jean Carroll. Oh, gosh. Oh. Anytime anybody says anything about this case, just laugh. Just laugh out loud. Laugh out loud. It's it's or cry. I don't know. But E. Jean Carroll, you take one look at her, you know she's a total kook. And I know total kook, kooks can be victims of crimes and stuff like that. Uh, but no, nothing about her story makes sense. Nothing. She says she alleges that she was raped in the dressing room of Bergdorf Goodman by Donald Trump in the 1990s, sometimes in the 1990s. Late 92, early 93, she's not sure. In the dressing room, on the fourth floor, in ladies' dresses. Um, problem is she seems to have a, well, a curious relationship with the word rape. Um, I mean... Listen for yourself. So she's on the, uh, what show is it? Hey, you know who she used to be married to? John Johnson. Remember John Johnson from Eyewitness News? Yeah, they were married. John Johnson, who I met once, is a pretty cool guy. Uh, he's no longer married to this uh, freak. I'm sorry, she is. I mean, who talks like this? She's on national television sitting with Anderson Cooper. And just listen to what she says about the horrible, disgusting uh, crime of rape. Ready? Go. The ground and ravish, which the word rape carries is not. This was not sexual. For it just it it hurt. It just what it just. Victim. People think of rape as being sexy. Mm. Let's take a short break. Think of the fantasies. Mm. We're going to take a quick break. If you can. The ground and ravish, which the word rape carries so many sexual connotations. This was. All right. It seems like that that version is a little bit screwed up, but you kind of heard. You heard the gist of it there. Rape is sexy. Now, who the hell thinks that? And then she's saying she was raped by Donald Trump. Is this some sort of, was it a, was it a tryst or something? I don't know. I don't know. Um, the situation in Nashville seems pretty crazy. Uh, all over again. Operation change the subject. They want 
nobody talking about guns, uh, no, nobody talking about transgender and everybody talking about guns. That's the mission. That's the objective. And those poor troopers down there, they're doing a great job. It's interesting when the left wants to make their voices known, the cops come off looking like jerks, right? That's how they're portrayed. Oh, look at those hicks with their cowboy hats on. Yet the Capitol cops somehow, because the protesters were right wing, were MAGA, were conservative, the cops were the heroes. See how they, 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 they switch the optics on us? Uh, let's try Gail. Long time no speak in Staten Island. Hello. Wow, Greg, what a show. You've touched so many um, things that I wanted to talk about. Um, on Tuesday, I couldn't watch the um, the circus that was going to go on, so I had to go to an appointment. And in driving down where I live on a main boulevard, there's so many stores that are closed. And an overwhelming um, feeling of sadness came upon me that, um, and you just had a commercial on, that children in our country are going hungry and uh, they can't even do uh, math or um, their grade level in reading. But we have a legislative branch that voted to uh, share bathrooms. And then I watched a man uh, dressed in a wig and uh, with a beard and a costume straddle a child, and people applauded. Um, <clears throat> and then I thought of my very patriotic president who called this a swamp, and I thought to myself, it has now become a cesspool, a very deep and dirty cesspool, because their eyes on each side are, are off the ball, and it's in their pockets filled with cash. And, you know, uh, Greg, there's no Hail Mary here. Um, it's very bad. And then when you quoted the power of the pen, you know, my dad used to say that. And, you know, you're always having these quotes. The power of the what? The power of the pen. Oh, yeah. Uh, Thomas Jefferson wrote to Thomas Paine, who was a very prolific writer. And um, he said to him, you know, go go on doing with the pen which was done in other times with the sword. And um, there's another famous lady. There'll be no quotes in any of the women around today, Hillary and that the, the rest of the vice president. Uh, Golda Meir, I don't know the exact words, but she said there'll never be peace until the Palestinians love their children as much as they hate ours. And, you know, Greg, in our great American nation, there will never be peace until America loves their children as much as they claim they do, teaching all this self-loathing and how oppressed they are. My God. All right. I want to hang in there. All right. Don't get too depressed. Don't get too discouraged. Sometimes we can get too close to this stuff. I mean, sometimes you see it on your phone and it's disgusting. And I know it's real and it's creeping in. But we, let's uh, let's try to keep our good cheer about us. I uh, But I will say this, you, you know. You're right about the cesspool thing. The, you know, the, the difference is a swamp, a swamp a kind of occurs in nature, right? A swamp is kind of a natural occurrence. You have, I, I think, they're like rivers in really hot climates. They become swamps. But a cesspool is man-made. And so much, much of this stuff, this toxic stuff with the transgender and the critical race theory and all this, it's man-made. And that's why it's so foul. Uh, especially. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. 
And right. you know what? And how emboldened everybody has gotten this week. This is the most holiest week. Uh, and how dare they uh, lob bombs into uh, Jerusalem, Passover. And uh, where is religion going? It's, it's, it's such a great time now. It's, you know, it's, it's our Lord is rising and, you know, we're breaking bread. And my gosh, how di- this is like a plan. That's what I think. It's a terrible plan. When we have Mexico lecturing us about our border, it's, it's just terrible. Well, plan. hang in there. Hang in there. All right. Um, speaking of faith, we'll embrace our faith and we'll talk about how great it is and how great God is and all the joy and happiness that is in store for those who accept him. Uh, we can talk about that. We can also, as you say, write those letters and hold your head high, just like Trump did when they brought him into the, the bowels, the tombs down there. Hold your head high. We're going to get through this. I don't know what it's going to look like. It's going to get dark. It's going to get weird. It's going to get awful. But we're going to win. Gail, thank you. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, you're working on it. I saw a great comedian. His name is Steve Byrne. Have you ever heard of this? Guy, uh, I tell you what, there's so many talented people out there. Uh, they're just, you lose track of them. They're all over the place. Amazing people. Let's see here. Steve Byrne, the last late night, a late night talk show, stand-up special streaming now on Amazon. And there's the link. And I just heard a little bit of what he does, and he's very, very good. Um, oops. Yikes. I mean, this guy is, like, b- better than the Jerky Boys. Are we ready to go? Oh, man. All right. Let me just see if this works. Okay? I have to log into Instagram, right, hold, hold actually. All right. Hold on. Kamala Harris making history. First woman of Jamaican and Indian descent to be elected African-American. <laughs> well, uh, sexual identity is a big issue these days. And Disney, of all corporations, got caught up. And I can't believe it. Disney just doubled down. They announced they're making a feature film about a transgender whale. It's called Maybe Dick. <laughs> And the border wall, obviously, is a big issue. Uh, to show you how divided this country is, recent polls show that 40% of all Americans are for border wall. 40% are against the border wall. 20% said no comprende. <laughs> I got to tell you, as an American, I don't care how Mexicans feel about a border wall, because with enough time, they'll get over it. <laughs> oh, man, that's good stuff. Come on, that's good stuff. You got to laugh. You got to. It's fine. It's fine. Even the D word, it wasn't the bad, bad word. It's fine. Everybody's got to lighten up a little bit. Uh, what's his name again? Steve Byrne. What a talented dude. Never heard of him before. So many amazing people out there. They're just like, <laughs> I don't know what it was, the pandemic or whatever, more time. Um, and people just did some amazing things online and elsewhere. Have you ever heard of this guy, Steve Byrne? Never. And I, that happens to me all the time online. Just incredible um, talent and uh, contributions, and it's a good time to be alive. It's also a really crummy time to be alive. Uh, it's uh, it's very strange. It's a very strange thing. Hey, when it comes to China, who do you think uh, who do you think's better on China? Do you like a guy like this? Cut thirteen, please. Cut thirteen. I made it real clear to Xi Jinping that uh, we're going to compete fully with China, but we're not going to look we're not looking for conflict. 
And uh, and that's been the case so far. Okay, you like that? We're not looking for conflict. This is right after they flew the balloon over our country. Oh, by the way, which was reading rice license plates numbers of our service members. You like that approach or this approach? Cut fourteen. Trump. It was China's fault, and China is going to pay a big price what they've done to this country. China's going to pay a big price what they've done to the world. This was China's fault. And just remember that. Just remember that. Clear cut. No uh, no doubt. No wavering. By the way, if you're China, which one do you think you respect more, huh? <laughs> we don't want any trouble. Or it was your fault. Stay the hell away from us. Good job, President Trump. You're coming back. I know it. I know it. I know it. I'll be right back, too. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. How old old is this Steve Byrne guy? He's great. How old is he? He's got to be in his late 30s, 40 maybe. No, late 30s, 37, I'd say. And, uh... I uh, I'm I, I gotta go see this guy in concert. I mean, you guys find it as funny as I do. Hold on a second. Let me listen to. Hold on. Ready? Here we go. This shoes was canceled. I picked up his last book before they pulled it off the shelves. I hope you guys grab it too. It's called "There Is Disorder at the Border by Executive Order." <laughs> Everybody's getting woke because they don't want to get canceled, right? You got country music artists changing their names. Lady Antebellum, no longer. It is Lady A. The Dixie Chicks are just the chicks. Even Alabama, Alabama now, Vermont. We're going to have another bout of coronavirus. And I still want to know, where did it come from? Did it come from a lab? I learned this, a special report on Fox News. A baby bat is called a pup, while an old bat is called Nancy Pelosi. A new report on climate change just came out. I didn't know this. I don't know if you guys saw this, but did you know this? Climate change is the number one cause of documentaries. (laughs) That's... Oh, wait. Rank in the North Korean army, five foot six. Kim Jong Un received the highest rank in the Korean army, five foot six. Good for him. Where the hell has he been? Um, fantastic. You know we don't have the Tonight Show anymore. You know where everybody watches. Everybody watches the one show, and I know we still have the Tonight Show, but it's not the Tonight Show. All right, it's not. We have the Late Show, but it's not the Late Show. We have all these things that are just, uh, you know, just. Replica. I mean, I just, they're broken down versions of the original. It's just nothing. And we're all looking in a million different directions. Nobody has common reference points anymore. Isn't that, uh, isn't that weird? It's one of the things that kind of brought us together as a country. What unites us as a country? We can't even agree that men are men and women are women. I mean, that's, uh, that's up for debate, right? What is, we have got problems. And what is it going to take to straighten it all out? What is it going to take? You know, they said that 9-11, oh, wait a second. Donald Trump's behavior, despicable, worse than mob boss, according to the prosecutor. Oh, that's just some talking head on MSNBC. Uh, Not like Alvin Bragg. Alvin, um, Alvin's wife is one crazy radical, by the way, and she may have been the driving force in this indictment. If you noticed... Alvin Bragg did not seem very confident. There was something kind of, uh, no, here he is. He just sounds very iffy. He sounds very weird. Cut 23. The, the, the charge is falsifying business records. Uh, the charge requires, as I, as I uh, specified, uh, cr- criminal conduct that was concealed. We 
regularly uh, do cases involving false business statements. Uh, the, the, the bedrock, in fact, the basis for uh, business integrity. It's, it's a, I'm glad you put your, your finger on that because it's not just about one payment. Uh, it is 34 business records, uh, 34 false statements in business records, 34 false statements. You know what the false statements? It sounds like false statements. Like you gave a false statement to the FBI. You gave a false statement to the police. You went downtown and you talked to him for an hour and a half and it was a false statement. You know what they're saying is the false statement? The number he put on his check stub. The number he put on the check stub. You know what it was? 2017 when it should have been 2016. Or 2016 when it should have been 2017. I forget. I don't know. In the DA's office, have they ever heard of post-dating a check? I gave my landlady once back when I was renting my apartment, uh, and we used to give her 12 checks in advance. Were they, was that falsifying records? Was it falsifying records? I put the date on it. It wasn't that date, but I put the date on it, and I signed it. Uh-oh. Should I turn myself in? I throw myself at the mercy of the of the court, and I want the judge, the Trump-hating judge, so I can tell him off and tell him that he's got to recuse himself. Uh, he can do my case, uh... But he can't do he can't do Trump's case. He can do my case because uh, his daughter has never worked uh, at uh, undermining me, <laughs> whereas his daughter has worked at undermining the campaign of Donald Trump and promoting the campaign of Joe Biden and uh, Kamala, Kamala, the one who is what did that guy say? <laughs> the first Jamaican Indian American who became African American, something like that. Uh, Lisa in Nutley, New Jersey. Hello. Hey, Greg, want to wish everybody a, a very happy rest of uh, Holy Week and Easter. Um, as far as Michael uh, is concerned, Michael, loyal, Michael Cohen, do not be, this is my prediction. He's the one who had the affair with Stormy Daniels because Bob Costello said when he testified, he was pacing back and forth. He wanted to commit suicide. He was nervous. He's not going to spend one day in jail. That's what a person does when they are guilty and they get caught. They want to jump off and kill themselves. Ten to one, he's the one who paid Stormy Daniels because he had the affair with her, and he got caught doing everything else using Trump's Trump's corporation as a front. Uh I believe that Michael Cohen is a bad, dirty, weird guy. He's not the one who hooked up with uh, Stormy Daniels. I don't think that's it. When he was pacing back and forth, one of the reasons why is because the federal authorities were looking at every aspect of his life, like those taxi cab medallions he was buying and selling and defrauding people and defrauding banks. That's the stuff that he was worried about, not because he hooked up with Stormy Daniels, which he may have, but that wasn't uh, that wasn't why he was pacing back and forth. That's not – if you read the book, if you read um, – which book am I talking about? The book that Robert Costello uh, cooperated with. It's in there. He doesn't, he doesn't, it's, it's all the other stuff. It's not, it was the real pressure that they were applying. And the prosecutors have never alleged that. I don't know if he, I don't know, I don't know if he ever met her, but it's an interesting theory. I think what Michael Cohen was trying to do though, any silly little issue he blew up and magnified and made it bigger than it had to be because he wanted to be taken seriously. He wanted to be a big shot, and Donald Trump really had very little regard for him. He wanted to be a big shot. Hey, boss, look, I put out this other fire. Hey, boss, boss, could you look? Could you come here? Could could you come here, boss? Yeah, there's something that's going on, and I'm going to fix it for you. It was that kind of crap. 
So, uh, and actually, some of the stories they paid for, even the prosecutors say, weren't real stories. That whole thing with the doorman saying that Trump had a love child or whatever, the prosecutors themselves said it was not true. So, Lisa, I appreciate your uh, creativity and your thinking about this, but I don't think that's the case. I just don't on that one. Uh, let's try one of the Michael in Wayne. Craig, how are you? Um, it's a crazy world when you try to normalize a mental illness like gender dysphoria. And in my opinion, if you have gender dysphoria, you should not be allowed to acquire a firearm because it's a mental disorder. Um, number two, real quick, uh, Kennedy Jr., the reason why he speaks like that is from a vaccination that did that to him. No. You can look it up. Well, wait, wait, well, I know, but not the COVID vaccine. No, no, I never said the COVID vaccine. This is, and this is what he said. This is what he sounds like. He said that this is a vaccine. Cut one, please. Cut one. I, I'm thinking about it. Um, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I, you know, I'm past the biggest hurdle, which is that my wife has green lighted it. <laughs> and, uh, so a vaccine did that to his voice? If you do the homework on it, you well, see I mean, do the homework. There's a lot of stuff on the internet. <clears throat> what vaccine? What vaccine did he take? He was probably done taking his vaccines when he was two, like most of us. Right, but he 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 attributes to one. I'm sorry, I didn't do my homework on it. But look at you're up. calling you know, up and you're telling me I got to do my homework, and you didn't do your homework. I don't know, pal. I think there's a, I think there's a, another issue there. I've been around him a couple of times, and uh, I like him. Uh, let's see here. He's tragically, RFK Jr. is our brother. Okay, that's where they, they are all complaining about him. His whole family is complaining about him. Uh, yeah, I don't see it yet, pal. I, I, I don't see it. I'll, I'll look, but thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, one more. Barbara. Barbara in Huntington. Hello. Welcome back. Hi, Greg. Good afternoon. Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Tomorrow, is it true you're going into the operating room? Uh, uh Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Only for an hour or so. All right. Well, good luck. Yeah. I think, uh, sorry, I'm, here I am divulging uh, personal medical information. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. Yeah. Uh, uh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, well. What, doesn't everybody know? <laughs> Not everybody who now knows. Oh, brother, <laughs> there I go again. Sorry. Uh. <laughs> that, that's okay. That's okay. Um, anyway, so you don't be hearing from me for a little while. Um, cause I'll be kind of loopy, but I, I was so glad to hear you bring that comedian on and let us laugh and let us remember as you're reminding us that we have to have a balance here. There's so much evil around us and you can't call it anything other than evil. We know that there's so much around us, but we have to remember that there's so much good as you say. And you know what? Yesterday, Greg, you said, that sometimes fear can be our friend. And you said when you are afraid, you tend to put your head down and just, you know, charge through it. You know who else said that? Mayor Giuliani. Someone asked him how he got through the day of September 11th. And he said he learned that from his father, that when all around you is hectic and, and terrible crisis and people don't know what to do, come down, lower down. Bring yourself down and focus and concentrate and put one foot in front of the other. And that's good advice for all of us. 
Well, I love it. I love it. And uh, I'm glad you enjoy that comedian. Yeah, I think I'm going to try to uh, help make this guy famous, do my part. Uh, Steve Byrne, he's terrific. And, uh, yeah, Rudy Giuliani. I didn't know that about his dad. I do know he also said he drew inspiration from uh, from Winston Churchill. He was reading uh, Churchill's work around that time, and uh, it's one of his heroes. All right, Barbara, sorry I spilled the beans, but uh, good luck, and uh, we'll talk soon, okay? Yes. Okay. Thanks, Greg. You Bye-bye. betcha. You betcha. All right. Thank you very, very much. Oh, it kind of starting to feel like Friday, isn't it? Give me a moment, please. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You remember where we, where you were when we lost Afghanistan? You remember that day? Late August 2021, remember waking up in the morning and I thought I was dreaming. I saw a great big C-17 transport plane on a runway taxiing and I saw something I never have seen ever before in my life. 5,000 people on the ground running next to the damn thing. I was like, it's, this is not supposed to be. I've never seen, I've been in aviation at that point in and around airplanes for 15 years. Uh, I flew full-time for nine years in the military, never saw anything like it, um, and that was the beginning of our catastrophic loss in Afghanistan. The Taliban are now in charge in Afghanistan. The Taliban are in charge. Joe Biden lied. He lied, he lied, he lied, he lied. I've got proof of his lies. I will show you tonight how he pressured the president of Afghanistan to misrepresent the security situation. Another thing that got us in big trouble in Afghanistan, his arrogance. Oh, yes, so arrogant. Can you believe a guy like Joe Biden thought he knew more than anybody? He was one of these creeps who would say, I've been to Afghanistan 37 times. All right, yeah, that means you spent a day and a half there. They would bring these politicians in. And they spend literally 90 minutes on the ground, and they get them out. You know who does this a lot as well? Reporters, correspondents. Uh, there's some people over there at the Fox News Channel who are particularly uh, good at this, bragging about how many times they've been to Iraq and Afghanistan, usually on some presidential trip. Uh, you know, George W. Bush, that guy was so incurious about the world. I once flew to India with the dude. Uh, I'm surprised he even got off the plane. I mean, we were there for about – we were there for dinner. And and then we came home all the way over there. Meanwhile, Bill Clinton, when he went to India, guess what? He was there for like five days, went to the Taj Mahal, just just ate it up, probably had some other um, interests uh, over there. So uh, this is why is this uh, on my mind? Well, this hideous, uh, disgusting, vulgar document that the Biden administration just put out explaining our situation in Afghanistan by blaming Trump. By bla- it's never his responsibility, is it? Just remember, there was a guy named Robert Gates, Secretary of Defense in the Obama, Bush and Obama administration. He was a director of the CIA, I believe, under uh, Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush. This guy knows what he's talking about. And what did he say about Joe Biden? He said in the 40 years he knew Joe Biden, Joe Biden has never been right about any national security matter ever, ever. And he said publicly, and this is not a guy who likes to make waves, and this is not a guy who's a fan of Donald Trump, that he could not say he would be a good commander-in-chief. So 
I'll have to get to the bottom of that thing. I am curious who, what was the genesis of it? Uh, that's on the agenda. And what else? Oh, we got to get to the bottom of that, uh, that LSU player. You know, I said I was going to do it, but I ran out of time. Um, Angel Reese, that attitudinal, um, uh, basketball player from Louisiana State University. I get it. You're good at basketball. That doesn't mean you're, uh, you're good at life. Or that we go to Angel Reese for matters of all matters relating to race and gender. Uh, you know, I can't stand Dr. Jill Biden. She's not a doctor. I can't stand her. But I'm allowed to kind of, I mean, we're all allowed to not to take her. But when you're a college basketball player and you go out of your way to disrespect uh, the second lady or the first lady or whatever the hell she is, the first lady, right? The first lady. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, but it's one thing if you're, uh, your talk show radio or your cable TV. But if you're a student at a state university and the first lady wants to come by the locker room and you guys make a big show of saying no, I think that's, um, I think that's really unfortunate. And when that same first lady in a combination of stupidity, ignorance and innocence, some innocence says, I think we should invite both teams to the White House, LSU and Iowa. And all of society loses its mind saying that she's racist and she's a Karen and all that nonsense. Um, yeah, things have gotten a little, uh, I mean, have I played a role in that, by the way? You know, sometimes I do reflect on that. I mean, here, I, I let it rip all the time on Twitter and elsewhere. Speaking of which, I got a good tweet out about this um, Clarence Thomas situation. They sent about 17 reporters to find out where... Clarence Thomas went on summer vacation. And guess what? It's a lake in upstate New York, and they're trying to make a federal case out of it. He didn't declare it on federal forms. Huh? I mean, the last thing I would think of is you had to declare a expedition to the fishing hole. Where did Ralph Cramden go when he went fishing and didn't want to take the wives? Where was that place? Fred's Landing. Fred's Landing with the snake in the tent. That's where Clarence Thomas went on his own time. You're allowed to do that, even if you're a Supreme Court justice. It's a high-tech lynching all over again. And oh, by the way, why don't you, uh, why don't you liberals at ProPublica look at the liberal justices? What the hell do they do? Where does Elena Kagan go? You think Elena Kagan just, uh, you know, counts her $285,000 a year and spends accordingly? Hmm? You think she's got a little piggy bank for her vacations? No. They all have cozy relationships with big shots. All right? It's part of the deal. It's quite frankly understood. How do you get these total brainiacs to sign up for a lifetime on the Supreme Court? You can make millions of dollars in the private sector and not undergo Senate confirmation and be humiliated. Or you can undergo... Senate confirmation and be humiliated and make $285,000 a year when you could be making millions. Um, the deal is this. You basically don't have to pay for anything. All right. That's, that's the deal. And you can make all the money you want in speaking engagements. There's a large group of people who love the Supreme Court and make friends with that. That's part. I think that's part of the arrangement. And one thing that we need to change immediately is these 
Supreme Court justices need to have 24-hour security protection. They do. They don't have it now. Uh, These guys have to drive themselves to the Supreme Court. That's crazy. You may think that's, well, they should. Uh, They're they're just people like everybody else. Well, they're people, unfortunately, uh, that crazy people want to harm. Crazy people like Chuck Schumer, please. Chuck Schumer, cut 17. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you. Hey, you know, if I run for uh, the U.S. Senate against him, well, let's see. Uh, probably have a better shot because I'd have upstate New York, not just the city. Uh, and I got a couple of years head start because I got to get cracking. If I'm going to run for mayor, I got to get cracking like in the next couple of months. And I'm very concerned that they are going to rig the election against me. Uh, they're going to rig it against me if I, uh, especially a guy like me, you know, Trump supporter and all that stuff. Anyway, listen, I got to run. There's the music tonight. Newsmax. Great show. Have you been checking that show out? Have you gotten my book yet? Justice for All by Greg Kelly, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. An instant classic, highly recommended Kindle, DVD, CD, you name it, it's there. Uh, Many thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.